Welcome to Marketing Like a Mother, a podcast made for mumpreneurs by mumpreneurs. Each week we're diving into mum-approved business and marketing strategies to help you grow a profitable and family-friendly business. Today I'm your co-host, Michelle Pulver. And I'm Olivia Radcliffe. And we're going to be talking about something that basically underlies how we do everything and I think it doesn't get enough attention. And that is how our particular brains work and how that impacts how we actually run our businesses and show up in our work. Um, Olivia and I are both different flavors of neurodivergent. And I think it's really interesting to see how that difference in our brains shows up in like the way we work together, how we kind of bounce off each other in that, and then how it seems to show up kind of everywhere across our individual businesses as well. Um, it's a like, I guess, a kind of trendy topic at the moment to be neurodivergent, but it's obviously something you grew up with and have your whole life. And I'm just really happy to be in a place in the online business space and in the world at large where we can have these conversations. Um, I do feel like it's something before we get too far in, I wanted to say it is it is a kind of strange thing to wrap your head around the fact that your brain is wired differently than others. So we may be a little clumsy. I'm still very much in the journey of my own discovery of my neurodivergence, but I think it is a really important thing to talk about. So we're being a little vulnerable here and sharing uh, some of the literal behind the scenes, like literally how our brains work um, and how that kind of impacts the businesses that we've been building. All right. With yeah. that, let's go ahead and jump right in. It's a big right topic. In. It's a big topic. I know. So. <laughs> and I had like a little disclaimer up front because I feel like it is a really big topic. Um, do you want to go first? Because I feel like your understanding of your neurodivergence might actually be deeper and longer term than mine. I feel like I'm the newbie in this, in our relationship. I, I mean, I remember when I first heard the term neurodivergent and I mm. looked into it and was like, oh my gosh, that's me. Like it clicked and it was, <laughs> it was just kind of this big sense of relief almost. Mm. And then the more I started working with like other neurodivergent people and, and just kind of noticing those differences and in, mm. in how someone's brain works, how my brain works, how maybe a neurotypical brain works and realizing that like, there's a reason and it's okay that we're not wired the same way. And if there's someone that I'm talking to where we just cannot get on the same page, um, it's it's probably be because of that. And and that's okay. Yeah. And there's a bit of like, I don't know, it just feels really good to have that, not an excuse, but that explanation, <laughs> you know, behind yeah. things. Um, yeah. And so, yes, I, I have OCD, I have PTSD, and probably several other things that have been suggested but never been officially diagnosed um mm. and it does actually very much flavor who I am and how I work and how I function both you know just as a human and and as a business owner as well but yeah and you you had yet yeah, the official quote-unquote diagnosis process but I've heard you kind of share that that especially the OCD is something you've had since you were very young and something you really struggled with naming until you went through that diagnostic process right yeah it I mean it was it was kind of a funny story because yeah I, I'd always shown some symptoms of OCD but that's I didn't mm. know that's what it was yeah. and 
actually when I was going to see a therapist because of the the PTSD stuff that came out of it, a really, um, really bad relationship. Let's just leave that there. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, I, I, in the, um, the kind of intro paper, all the stuff, the onboarding process, they were asking, you know, okay, why are you here? Do you see this? You know, what are these things that are quote unquote wrong with you? And, you know, I made this big long list. And at the end I said, and I think I might have a touch of OCD and the therapist laughed because <laughs> they thought I was making a joke because everything I'd listed was so quintessential OCD. And I just didn't know it. I did not know. I thought OCD was very much like, you know, the, the typical thing you see of, oh, I like everything neat and tidy and I have to have it all straight and all my colors matching and all the stuff, um, which can be some components of it, but that's not, that's not all of it, you know? Yeah. And, And so just having that, that name put to something and having that thing of like, yeah, the reason you, you've done that stuff, the reason you like, what are some of my quirks I used to do? I used to have to hit the the wall as I went down the stairwell. I used mm. to um, have to hold my breath whenever we drove by a cemetery, like the entire time mm. we drove by the cemetery, I'd hold my breath. Uh, just little things like that, that I'm like, am I crazy? Why am I doing this? I feel like the world's going to fall apart if I don't do it. And having that that realization of that's what it was. It's okay. Like that, that was pretty, that was pretty amazing. Yeah. I think naming, naming the thing can be really powerful. Um, and I know I see like little glimpses of it as we work together and I see the, the recognition you now have of like, Oh, that's the OCD or that's like the PTSD kind of showing its face. And I think being able to call it out like that, at least in our relationship, has been really powerful because you can a like identify this is what going what's going on, but you can communicate to me like, hey, we might need time or space, or actually, I do need to get this done because my OCD will drive me nuts if I don't finish it. And we can accommodate that. And I think we're never going to cure neurodivergence. There is no cure, and there's no point because it's literally how your brain is wired. But I think accommodating and being kind to ourselves and each other um is something we can do and I think that's something I really like I really love about the way you are now sort of expressing your needs and accommodations the way we work together I feel like it's so easy for me to accommodate because you've told me how to help you (laughs) and how I can best show up to like help you get through that so um yeah that's really yeah really cool um so my and mine's a little fresher. So I I was like always uh, struggling in school. I was never a easy kid um, to kind of get through class. I did move a lot growing up, and that was always attributed as why I struggled. Um, actually, it was moving to France and really struggling to learn the French language that tipped me off that I was dyslexic, um, and have gone through sort of very intense self-diagnosis that that is exactly what's been going on and learned it's actually a pretty strong thread in my family of dyslexia so it makes a lot of sense but I really struggled in school with reading out loud that's something Olivia and I joke a lot about that if there's scripts to be read out loud that is not a Michelle job (laughs) and um I'm you know chronic misspeller I I really struggle to type the way my brain sees letters 
Um, so, you know, my content is, you know, riddled with spelling errors and I've just kind of come to terms with that's how it is because I literally can't see them. Um, but that's something that I came into about 10 years ago, realizing that that's what was going on. That's why I kind of had those struggles with language. Um, but in the last few years, I've put words to some other things that have been a lifelong challenge. Like I've had a very heightened experience of everything sensory. So sounds, textures, um, like basically anything light. I'm very hypersensitive. I learned recently that's called um, sensory processing disorder. And I struggle to call the boxes for that. I'm actually in the process of going through examinations and my uh, my psychologist basically was like, yeah, we barely need to do this because you're so clearly off the charts with having sensory processing issues. And that is something I, I, again, like you said, I felt like I was just crazy. Like going to the beach is literal hell for me. Um, going to places with lots of sound, um, lots of electricity, electricity sounds really bother me. So um, particularly when I'm working, I need to make sure I'm in a space that doesn't have lots of electronics in the same room as me because it pulls my attention so severely I can't actually think and do anything else. Um, but yeah, those are the ones that I have identified. There's some other stuff that I'm exploring and I'll probably share with the podcast later. Um, but it's been a really strange thing going through this as a 30 something adult um, and having, you know, just now starting to put labels on what has always been a thing. Um, and I've actually sort of been coming through a period of burnout and of really having overworked my system and it's made me much more hyper aware of how some of those sensory things are showing up in my life and needing to be given the space. Um, Olivia and I were recording something like I think a couple weeks ago and I was just having a bad sensory day and I called you afterwards and I was like oh I know why I had a bad day it was like one piece of my clothing was uncomfortable and I was so grumpy and I couldn't focus and we we're trying to record and we had to just scrap it because I was just be beside myself with that distraction that sensory overwhelm can bring. Um, it was just because my clothes were itchy and I couldn't think. So <laughs> um, yeah, those are some of my more known quirks, how they show up in business. I think a lot of it in the last year or two has been trying to learn to give myself the space I need. I think I having come from a you know a culture where that's not something you talk about it was just you know that's quirky Michelle and how she is um there's been a lot of repressing the way that my brain needs to function the way it works and I think in finally naming it I'm also having a bit of a burnout period of of really feeling all that and needing to make space in my life and therefore my business to not have so many people around, not have so many calls, not fill my calendar too much. And I'm really in, since January, basically a no call situation, except for this lovely podcast and like chats with Olivia. I try really hard not to book any calls because I just couldn't take on the weight of that while my body's in this place of needing, needing recovery in acknowledging what's been going on all these years. So 
it's been hugely impactful for me over the last sort of five, six months, um, just taking that step back to let my brain heal and come to grips with what's been going on. But yeah, um, on a lighter note, but <laughs> really hard. Um, what do you think some of the positives are from having brains like ours as we run these kind of businesses? Well, I, I think there's there's a huge positive, whether you're neurodivergent, neurotypical, you know, whatever your version of, of neurospaciness is, um, I think there's a huge positive in embracing who you are and how you think and what you need to function on your best level. And and translating that over into your business, because yeah. I, I think I truly believe it is that kind of unique part that that makes your business stand out and helps make your marketing and your sales, <laughs> everything that that truly magical standout experience that makes makes it very magnetic for your ideal customers. Um, yeah. And and I do see a lot of like, as you and I have had these discussions and explored, you know, gotten a little bit deeper into the topic, we're by no means experts at all in any of this, mm -hmm. by the way, just experts. And yeah. I don't even know that I'm an expert in how I function. I'm still learning everything <laughs> as it goes. I think that's just life, isn't it? <laughs> it's life. Yes. We're always learning. Right. But I think as, as we've learned, you know, our, our own quirks and, you know, share them with each other and as business partners and as friends, like learning how to hold that space for each other has, yeah. has been really awesome. And I think it's been really good in helping me to hold space for other people as well. I think it's kind mm. of made me, uh, you know, I think it's helped with me being a mom. I think it's helped with me <laughs> like being able to, to nurture my clients in a good way and, and realize mm. that, you know, how how they are functioning might be very different and that's okay and, mm. and yeah so what what do you think yeah I mean I think you're right I think there's like a hyper empathy that comes from navigating the world with the kind of brains we have and it is a superpower to be able to put ourselves in other people's shoes so profoundly I think I kind of want to highlight the flip side of that is that because we can feel that so deeply I think there is something really powerful from learning to advocate for what we need and yes. holding that boundary. You know, that's like a running joke between you and I that I am like the boundary keeper because I think I let people cross that so much without knowing why, you know, things were harder for me than seemingly other people. Um, I feel like I've become completely fierce about my boundaries and your boundaries by default as an extension and I think it's something really interesting that like that benefits me but anytime I've held those boundaries in conversations with clients or collaborators it's not just met with like oh that's great I understand I'll accommodate that but often in a like gosh I need to do that too and seeing people out there living boundaries that are firm and real I think gives us permission to hold those boundaries better ourselves so I've had countless conversations with people like gosh I want to hold my boundaries like this too and my like happiest thing is like yes do it because it helps but also the more we all do it the more it gets normalized the more that we don't need to feel bad about needing to make space for our genuine human needs um I like to say just saying like I can't make a call should be as easy as 
saying I need to go to the toilet. Like it is a human need. And I think a lot of the stigma needs to be shifted. And that's going to be made by just us living it out loud and saying, hey, this is what it is and not being sort of shamed by that. So yeah, I think there's a lot of power in holding that space of advocating for ourselves, of living, living the boundaries we need and want. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, I feel like there's just so much so intertwined with how we do everything that it's almost impossible to tell like what is because of our neurodivergences and what is just like the way we do business. Um, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how like the offers you create, the way you market, the way you sell might be impacted by neurodivergence because that's like the thing on my mind these days and how to make a business you live in feel good and feel appropriate for the type of brain you have. And I'm, yeah, I think it's a, a work in progress for all of us, but I'm just fascinated by how we can construct this business to genuinely meet the needs of the human running it. So do you feel like you're living out any of the ways you do things because of, you know, the neurodivergence you have? Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of hard to put a direct label on this is exactly why I do something, but I mean, for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but no, absolutely. And I, I truly believe that business can be done outside of the box. Oh, I, yes. You know, there's, there've been a lot of, I've been through a lot of programs and, and, you know, courses and things that teach that this is how you need to do a certain thing. And that may be one really amazing way of how to do it. That might be a really great marketing strategy or a really great way to put together you know, a, a membership or a course or something. Um, but I don't by any means believe it's the only way. And I think that's yeah. kind of been the the realization that both you and I have had in embracing our neurodivergence <laughs> is like, okay, we can actually break from what everyone is telling us we have to do. And, mm -hmm. you know, there are periods of time where I kind of disappear from my marketing a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, not completely, you know, I'm still doing a lot of the writing stuff and podcasting, obviously, and, you know, speaking engagements and such, I can do that, but social media gets very hard for me sometimes. Yeah. Um, and even emailing my list gets really hard for me. And there are some times where I just can't force myself to do it. Like mm -hmm. I just disappear for a little bit and then I'll come back and I'll go through a period where it's like, I want to share and I want to talk with everyone and it's great. <laughs> and so to kind of counteract that social media is not my main form of marketing. Yeah. And like I said, there, I do have other ways to do things. You know, I, I do write for magazines and I do guest blogs and, you know, love doing guest podcasts. And obviously our podcast here is amazing. I mean. It's <laughs> my favorite thing to do. Um, and there's lots of other strategies to do beyond the social media. The social media for me is kind of like, a little icing on the cake, like mm. when I want to do it, it's great. And I can make some great connections like posting and stuff, but that's, that's not, yeah, that's not my main strategy. And yeah, kind of the same thing with like sales and your offers, right? We're kind of, I think there was this, I don't know, this big mass, like if you're putting together a course or a group program, you have to do live zoom calls, like for Q&A yeah. sessions. 
It's like, that's just what you have to do, right? You have your course, they watch the training, they jump on a weekly live Q&A. And that's something that has not been very possible for, for us or for me or for you. <laughs> oh, no. like, it's hard when we have, you know, little kids at home that don't necessarily want to sit for an hour on Zoom and... <laughs> Um, well, can't oh, or can't, or can't. <laughs> yes um or like you just have so many other things you're juggling it's just really hard mm. and beyond that I think our audience in particular most of our audiences have young kids and a million other things they're juggling and they don't want to sit for an hour on zoom yeah and um that's that's where we've come up with you know we have very asynchronous methods for answering people's everything? questions everything, <laughs> for everything but like our asynchronous Q&A sessions where mm. we have one where people submit their questions ahead of time and we record the answers on a private podcast yeah that's for our shiny squirrel chases club basically there's like a form where people fill in the question and twice a month Olivia and I sometimes synchronously sometimes like together will record the answers and they can listen on a private podcast as they like about their lives I think it's a way easier way to get your questions answered because you don't have to show up on the call but I really love hearing people enjoying listening to everybody else's stuff when on a live call you might not be able to actually make the other people's questions too so I had to interrupt because I'm like the biggest fan of our little async Q&A no I think it's awesome and and for some audiences that might not work right you know there's some audiences where having that time to sit together and talk and kind of see, you know, it, it's, it's a group setting and, and that works for some things. Yeah. I have some programs where that's obviously been the better option than, mm-hmm. than something else. But I think the whole point is that you can customize it to whatever you need and whatever your mm-hmm. audience likes. And it's, there isn't only one way. So if there's something that's feeling really sticky and hard for you, then you, you can think outside the box a little bit, stop and think what would make this easier and kind of give yourself permission to try it because nothing's written in stone with it either. Um, yeah. What about you? What have you implemented? I know you've done a lot, so. <laughs> <laughs> this is very much on my mind. Um, I basically stopped taking clients uh, about nine months ago. It just was too much weight for me to carry someone else in the season of life I was in having a lot of rejection sensitivity dysphoria and really struggling with even like positive critique it was just taking up far too much space in my brain so uh putting a pause on that was a really healthy move for my mental health and sanity um but it did leave a gap in like how do I make income and uh finding ways to basically still show up without having to quote-unquote people so much has been a really helpful thing so like you mentioned the Q&A instead of having live zoom calls for our membership having a way to show up where I just have to talk to you holds a lot less mental weight for me than having to show up in a group um I work with uh, another designer where we're very very asynchronous and she just gives me stuff to design and I do it and it's great I love working with her um and then creating a lot of courses and programs and tools and like swipe copy and swipe templates and things that people can pick and choose as they need has been easier for me to make. But also I think meeting people who are like me 
where they're at a bit better. I, I find, like you're saying, every course that comes with, you know, a bajillion Zoom calls, they never made sense to me. Even, you know, before I kind of hit this burnout phase, I couldn't show up for them with a kid and time zones and just my capacity for human interaction. It was just too much and I didn't actually get anything out of it. So really heavily in this season of life, leaning into making things I'd actually want in a format that I'd actually want to show up with has been really refreshing and really nice to see that that's resonating with other people who also don't want to people so much and just need the shortcut, just need the thing, just need to know the strategy, just need to have like another perspective. And that's been really, really good. But I do see that like, it's not necessarily a way to offer high touch, high ticket services um, without having any human interaction. And that's sort of a compromise I've made with myself that I'm in a season where that's not something I can hold space for and where basically at a point now where I only people with our business like I only will do Q&A stuff and be available and give my brain space over to things where we're holding space for other people we're helping other people in our joint business because I find doing that with you doing it with a buddy a lot easier and a lot less stressful and kind of reserving that energy that mental space for when it's you and me work versus just on my own has been a really really great shift and I find a lot of that rejection sensitivity is is calmed because I can see you reacting and I can play off you or you know have you answer things if they're kind of hitting me a bit funny um it's just been a lot healthier for me personally going through this season and kind of recognizing that some of the introversion might not just be introversion but like holding space for other humans is a very high taxed thing. Like if anyone listening knows the spoon theory where basically people who are neurodivergent or have chronic illness have, you know, a set amount of energy represented by a drawer full of spoons. And each day you only have so many spoons and you have to allocate how you want to use those spoons throughout the day with all the different tasks. And each task will require many spoons if it's a really hard thing for that person to do or you know just a few you can only use them and I find showing up for other people is a very very high spoon task for me it's something that can take basically all my energy for the day and it's yeah it's been really challenging but really I don't know like a good experiment to see how could I cut that out so I can reserve my energy spoons for things that I actually want to do so I, I'm still in the experiment I probably will always be in the experiment but I think leaning heavily into recognizing that was something taxing me far more proportionally than it should have was a really big trigger for me to be like okay let's think out of the box let's try and figure out another way to do this business thing that doesn't leave me feeling so drained and, and honestly so like sick it wasn't good I couldn't show up and do good things if I was in a place of being that unwell so yeah it's it's a new season of life it's a new season of business it's a new pace but I think if someone listening is in that space of like deep profound burnout and not being able to people I just encourage you to like think how you can still show up in a way that feels good and if you do want to start peopling again 
maybe find a buddy. I found it really, really helpful. <laughs> like Olivia yeah. makes me be able to people in a way nobody else does. So <laughs> she's amazing. I help um, people. I like that. help me people. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a very present thing for me and something I probably will always have to explore because my capacity for holding space is is more limited than seemingly other people. And I think, um, I mean, I think you brought up a really amazing point there of there are different tasks in our business, whether you're neurodivergent mm-hmm. or not, that affect our energy in different ways. You know, there are oh, things yeah. that are just draining to us and something that I might love, someone else might absolutely hate or dread. Um, like writing copy. <laughs> like writing copy. I love writing copy. I love writing. And yeah, I, if you I, can't I, tell in our business, Olivia does the copywriting. <laughs> because spelling things right is not my forte and but then there are other things like I love I I love doing one-on-one sessions with people I love working with people but I do know that that is a very high energy draining thing for me because I do take on their emotions so much I get Mm -hmm. really into it like if I am working with you one-on-one I am there in your business with you and it's it's, it's very draining for me. So I do have to limit the number of people I'm working with. Um, you know, especially, especially really big, intense projects, things like that. I I really do have to limit it and knowing what that boundary is for myself, again, comes back to the whole boundary thing and Mm -hmm. and being able to hold it, but also doing that in a way, because we still need to make money, right? Like we're we're still running businesses. We need to make money. We can't just say, well, I don't want to do it. So I'm not going to do it because Mm-hmm. Then we not have businesses, but um, <laughs> knowing what my, you know, my financial goal is for the month, knowing what I need to make my, my freedom metric, so to speak, and mm-hmm. being able to map that out with, okay, if I want to make that and I can only do X number of sessions a month, I either need to charge Y amount, or I need to have these other offers in place that are asynchronous yeah. and don't require that same amount of energy um, to help to help fill that in. So it is, it, it can be a little overwhelming to think of, well, I don't want to do live sessions or I don't want to do this or that, but I need to, cause I need to make money. Mm-hmm. There are ways that, that we can kind of work through your offers and figure out exactly what that magic formula is to make sure that yeah. you're hitting what you need to hit. Yeah, I think it is that sort of balancing act, that equilibrium between the energy cost and the financial gain as a business owner who actually delivers the thing your business is selling, that you you do need to make sure that that equation makes sense, that you're not selling all of your energy for minimum amount of money that isn't going to meet your like financial, your freedom metric or your like minimum bills. Um, there's a part where we just have to be a bit more ruthless about making that make sense and having you know either higher priced offers or having you know an offer suite full of things that can patch that and help add up to a number that that makes sense for the business is really important um yeah I think thinking around the different tasks in our business and where certain things can feel really challenging and others can't I do think it it's interesting as neurodivergent people that we can get into hyper-focus when we're really good at something. I think we've got this amazing superpower to go really hard at the thing that we love and get really into it. And 
like I feel like when I'm on a thing I am more productive than any other human around but when it's something you hate you'll just drag it on and I think as we recognize that in ourselves as you see your patterns of like what are you avoiding what do you hate and trying to find tricks to get it done tricks to you know force yourself through it if you can't outsource yet or how to automate it or how to buddy up with someone and you know help you get through it I think kind of knowing where we thrive and knowing where we struggle helps you also allocate your business's resources in terms of finances but in terms of like energy of making sure you don't drop the ball because I'm pretty confident that most of us aren't the biggest fan of doing taxes and finances but they have to get done and we have to find a way to get through them so finding like the tricks that work for your brain to incentivize you to get that done whether you're a deadline motivated person whether you're an accountability person whether you need some body doubling and someone just sitting on the call doing it with you like finding ways to get through the bad stuff the boring stuff um, can be really helpful because we tend to struggle with dopamine and struggle with like doing tasks that aren't interesting and um, you know it, it sadly enough the price we pay for having that amazing hyper focus that we can get when we love stuff so I think that's something you and I do quite well is body doubling with each other of the things we hate you know we've literally had I think one piece of paper to fill in for our taxes. We sat on multiple phone calls to get that thing done because, oh boy, is it boring. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah. we got it done. <laughs> so I think, yeah, like knowing yourself and knowing, it's kind of weird to say, but like knowing the tricks you can play on your own brain to make you do the things you have to do is a really helpful skill to learn and will look different for everybody. But yeah, I feel like we're in the midst of figuring that out together. And it's, it's yeah, it's good to call out those places where we struggle a bit more yeah they're moves instead of tricks I, I have moves I make on myself just ah, not necessarily mean. tricks but yeah <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> it's like getting <laughs> your toddler to eat vegetables right there's you got moves but um, yeah oh, dear. I, I I think moral of the story is be yourself Sorry, no, that's, that's like, <laughs> I think I come back to that at every single episode. Pretty but, much. That's Olivia's really. catchphrase. That's my catchphrase, be yourself. But, yeah. but I, I, I feel I think like mine is, is boundaries. <laughs> yes, yours is boundaries. Mine is be yourself. So, which kind of follow the same lines, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's of kind of taking that moment to take stock in, in what you like, what you don't like, what gives you energy, what drains your energy how you work and then saying, Oh, that's okay. That's just me. You know, yeah. that's, that's, I, I like to say that's such an Olivia thing when I do something mm. that I might normally be hard on myself about be like, Oh yeah, that's, that's just Olivia being Olivia. And I love Olivia. So, yeah, you know, Aww, I love Olivia too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, yeah. I think, I think it is that sense of we're all in in progress like none of us are done none of us are perfect none of us are quote-unquote finished in business or in life and I think finding the easiest kindest way through is is kind of the biggest favor we can do to ourselves and that comes from learning how we work learning what works what doesn't maybe having to go through some things that don't work to figure out you don't like them um but I do think taking stock of like how you're feeling where you're at what's working what's not sounds like you know 
fun and high level thinking, but I think it is the stuff that makes a big difference day to day. And I'm a very practical, literal person and I don't really I don't really relate to a lot of mindset stuff, but I do think this kind of taking stock of the assets your business has at hand, which include your energy and available time and like the skill set of you as your own employee, um, finding myself like distancing the meanness of it and like how would I do this if this was an employee or like my partner or you and how would I help accommodate their needs and how would I accommodate their strengths and you know create systems to help with their weaknesses and taking ourselves weirdly kind of out of that process and not feeling like I should do this I should be that look all these other people can do that and just taking it as a more clinical approach of like, okay, this is what we're working with. How do we make it work? And that has really helped me. Again, I am the special kind of brain I have. I'm very literal. I'm very practical. So if that makes sense to you, you probably have a brain like mine. But I think all the different ways of approaching it will basically boil down to like, know what works for you and, and do that and ignore everything else. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to add? I, I think we're good. I know we've had quite a lot of conversation around this ourselves yeah. and with our audiences, you know, separately in our together audience. So maybe we'll come back for a part two at some point. Oh, definitely. Go definitely. talk about I, I, it's a very big subject and it's, it's big for a reason, you know? Yeah. It really, it's literally I, who we are. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. I love it. Well, for anyone listening who is neurodivergent, who wants to talk with, you know, someone else going through it Olivia and I are definitely open and would love to connect I think this is something it kind of takes a village even if it's a personal journey and I found it really helpful touching base with other people like that so I'm just like opening an invitation of if this sounds like you if you resonate with like well I've been sharing what Olivia's been sharing I think we both really love to just like be a connection be a, another cog in the support wheel if my metaphor tracks um so if that's you definitely reach out. We want more neurodivergent friends. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us this week on Marketing Like a Mother. If you found value in the show today and want to support some fellow entrepreneurs, we really appreciate a rating or just telling a business friend about the show. We'll be back with next, we'll be back next week with more marketing tips for busy moms with businesses. Until then, take care.